at SifPop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writer, Jason. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Jason joining for the very first time. Um, relatively recent Sif Pop Writer. And uh, provides stuff on the BEC every week. And doing... Uh, you did a, a review. I'm sorry, I can't remember it right now. But I know I had to make the graphic for, for something. I uh, just did Minions. Yeah, that should be either up now or coming mm-hmm. soon. Or... It'll be up by also, the time this episode releases. I was like, it was something I also else. started with a lot of dinosaur stuff. Yeah. No, the, the prehistoric planet. Yes. That's because I remember I had to make that graphic twice because I just think it failed uploading the first time. But Yeah, writers probably thought I was dinosaur obsessed because that was my first one. And then I did a <laughs> Jurassic Park movie book comparison. So, Oh, yeah, that's right. You did that, too. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. I liked reading that. Um, oh, thank you. I really you. like those like book movie comparisons. I, I kind of want to do more of that stuff on the site, you know. Oh, I'll definitely jump on more of those for sure. Those are fun. Yeah, and there seems to be like a lot of like uh, like we could have done one for Under the Banner of Heaven. Uh, mm-hmm. We could have done one for The Offer uh, that was based on a book. Uh, I'm really oh, interested yeah. um, in doing one for Killers of a Flower Moon, the new Scorsese. Okay, um, yeah. Or could have done it for the Black Phone. Like there's there's tons of opportunities. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think we'll have more of that. So nice. I just need, I just need to read more, and then maybe I'll volunteer <laughs> to write some. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of an undertaking. Yeah, and it's yeah. Anyway, uh, but we write for SifPop.com, so we do movie reviews, best ever challenges, uh, lots of other mo- interesting movie-related articles, such as the ones we were talking about. Uh, and on the podcast, so so make sure you go check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with all that. But uh, on the podcast today, we're going to talk about um, two coming attractions, so two movies coming out this week in theaters. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Casper as our nostalgic pick, and then we'll talk. Uh, we'll do a fantasy cast for Casper, which honestly... I'm so excited about, and and I only have two casts so far, so I um, <laughs> have had a, a busy a busy time. So it's okay, we'll get this figured out. I'm confident. Like the thing that is going to make my movie so special is is going to be um, is going to be the the thing that I already know. So uh, right, you got a twist on it, yeah, yeah. Because we'll get there. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll, we'll talk about Casper, we'll do the fantasy cast, and then we'll do a spinoff, a uh, quick argument or one from each one of us. But first, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Um, Jason, I got to know, uh, we ask all, this, all writers this, when did you realize that movies are kind of your thing? I'd say very young for me. Like I grew up on the Disney movies, so starting from Beauty and the Beast and then really getting obsessed with Aladdin, into Lion King, into Toy Story. Those were huge for me. I just knew I was obsessed with movies and burning out VHSs back in the day. But also, not to perpetuate the obsessed with dinosaurs thing but when jurassic park did come out when i was about seven that was the first time i realized like it's not just cartoons real movies can really capture you because that one i distinctly remember the moment with the raptors going after the kids i thankfully had finished my candy by then because at one point i tossed my candy box like 10 feet into the air and if it had been full still it would have gone everywhere so that was that was a fun moment where i really felt the movie magic and kind of started getting obsessed yeah sure um nice so what would you say is your favorite movie of all time and then really like what makes that movie like beyond excellent for you yeah i'm gonna cheat slightly on this one and just ramble off a few that were in contention just to throw them out there it's okay but then you do have to pick one at the end you do have to pick i will pick yeah (laughs) yeah so it was tough because with a lot of big director ones so tarantino and glorious bastards is my top one 
the other Spielberg nice. movie, Jaws, is up there for me. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say I'm a big Nolan guy, so both The Dark Knight and The Prestige at times are my favorite, depending on mood. And the tough one, I'm putting a comedy at number one, and it's kind of a coin flip between Shaun of the Dead and Groundhog Day. Okay. But just to throw it out there, because I've seen it probably more times than any of the other ones, we'll say Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. All right. Yeah. That's a really good pick. I, I like that, you know? And it's like yeah. super original, lots of fun, um, plenty of... You, Shot of the Dead is also one of those that, like, you look back after seeing Baby Driver, and there's the scene where they're swinging the pool cues to to Don't Stop Me Now, and it's like, you're like, this is yeah. Baby Driver, like, this is that's, him thinking that's about the foreshadowing, Baby Driver. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, and, yeah. I remember and, being blown away by that moment in Shaun of the Dead, and then to get to Baby Driver and see that times 100 was just amazing. amazing. I know yeah. if you've mentioned Baby Driver before as being underrated, uh-huh. and I fully agree, like, even if you don't care for the movie, just the syncing up of music to action is so worth watching. Yeah, I have it at 27 of all time. Um, so nice. I just, I, I adore it. And the last 30 minutes of the movie kind of aren't great, but yeah. and everything about that first that first bit is so good. Um, yeah, just the opening scene alone is worth it, yeah. But yeah, you kind of nailed it down with Shaun of the Dead. It's just that blend of comedy, romance, horror. It does all of them so well, and it's it's a spoof movie without being a spoof movie, which I think is brilliant. It's that's the way to do those kind of movies is to pay homage, but it doesn't go into the absurd. It's it flirts with the yes, line, but it doesn't cross it. It's a spoof movie and a real movie. Like it's not like yeah. you know, something like, um, I don't know, whatever those spinoffs of the scary movie franchise or whatever, like right. Nowhere near that. Yoga. No, where it's just, I'd like, say it's oh, more going to have fun. This is just, it's a love letter to the genre and it's a spoof in that yeah. way. So, Going back more to the Mel Brooks, it's kind of a young Frankenstein yeah. more than it's a scary movie. And even yes, then, young Frankenstein dances a little more into the spoof than this does. Yeah. Uh, Just a little. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, Which that could have easily awesome. been the pick, too. Yeah, it's hard to nail down. I, I love so many movies, so it's it's tough. Yeah, that's true. I, I like Hot Fuzz a little more than Shaun of the Dead, but um, it's okay. We already mentioned I like Baby yeah. Driver. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're all good. The man knows how to direct and write. He's good. Yeah, he's man. He's the most consistently great filmmaker there is. Like, I mean, Damien Chazelle is up there too. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. And I guess I guess Brothers Bloom is just fine for Ryan Johnson. Um, but like, he's one of those guys that like whatever he's doing. If you're right, whatever he's doing, I'm in. And like, I'm sitting here and oh, like yeah. Shane Black makes some of my favorite movies, but like he made the Predator movie and that movie's terrible. So like. <laughs> You know, like, it, yeah. I can't I can't say I'm most excited to see whatever he does next. Um, but yeah, Edgar Wright, you know, even if it's not your favorite Edgar Wright, it's going to be a really interesting, really well-made movie. Yeah. yeah, like Last Night in Soho is way underrated. It's really good. Oh, I, it's I had a real good time with that. Yeah. But it's really good, yeah. No, it's probably the worst of his movies, but that's not saying it's bad whatsoever. It's still a really it's good conversation. Huh. But I don't know. I mean, I'm going to make some enemies here by saying I probably still enjoyed Last Night in Soho more than Scott Pilgrim, but I feel like I really need to revisit Scott Pilgrim after listening to you guys talk about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, you Because I only saw it once, and I feel like that was one of those I wasn't in the right mind space kind of ones or something that I just didn't quite pick it up the right way. I, or... I think I like Last Night in Soho as much, if not slightly more, than Scott okay. Pilgrim's World. So uh, probably as much. I would probably say, um, and I really like this movie too, but I would say The World's End is is the Edgar Wright's. Uh, yeah, it's, I may actually put Last Night in Soho above that because that's all another one. At least four out of five, you know, but. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's nitpicking. Yeah, you're right. It's it's you know it's kind of like uh, I mean I, this would have been a much truer thing. Actually, maybe not. I don't know, but it feels like this would have been a much truer thing like five years ago. But you're like, what's the best MCU movie? And they're like, well, they're all like they're all great, but like you know, anyway, right? Now it's like, well, and, and then you get in Eternals, and suddenly it's uh, yeah, and, and a few movies. others, yeah. and yeah, and a lot, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we'll talk about another MCU movie here in a little bit. Uh, but first, I got to ask, um, uh, I know the story, but would you tell the listeners how you got involved in writing for Stiff Pop? Like, what's your history with uh, the brand and all that? And then you've been writing for, what, like two, three months now? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Probably about two and a half months. And yeah, a brief history of just the writing. I started writing in college doing more sports writing than anything, but I always had such a draw to entertainment writing. So even at the college newspaper, I was throwing myself deep into volunteering to do stories, interviewing comedians or musicians coming to town and that kind of thing. And started doing that at a community paper as I was getting out of college too, and got even cooler opportunities where I got to even talk to some voice actors. So I did interviews with Billy West and H. John Benjamin. And those were some of the highlights of my career. I love H. John Benjamin so much. That one I got to do face to face too at a music festival in Tennessee. So that was such an amazing moment. I mean, look, I could talk. I feel like I could talk to H. John Benjamin for so long, but like, I'm sure he gets asked about Bob's Burgers and Archer's a lot. I want to ask him about yeah. what Hot American Summer about playing a can of beans. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite role of his. So, oh, that's true. I didn't even think to talk to him about that. And yeah, this yeah. was years ago. It predated Bob's Burgers, but it was right in the heat of Archer. So I was oh, nice. trying not to fanboy out as we sat in the middle of this random trailer and awkwardly <laughs> they just sitting one on one a couple feet away. But he was amazing. Such a cool guy. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Like, and yeah, from there, uh, I've been down in Texas now. That was back in my days in Ohio, but I've been in Texas now for about almost 10 years and was working mostly just sports at a newspaper and did a few little entertainment things when I could there too. And about a year ago, I left the newspaper to start doing PR for a soccer club down here. And that kind of gave me the freedom to have a little more time to do some other stuff. So I was kind of looking for something I could do to sort of scratch that itch with writing about something else. And then I happened to be listening to the Sifties episode, catching up on the Sif Pop podcast, and you guys mentioned in there that anyone who was interested in writing could email and reached out, and the rest is history. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's been fun having you on the team. So um, I have one more question, completely non-movie related for you, uh, before mm-hmm. we move on, just to get a chance for people to maybe round out a personality a little bit more. I asked you earlier if you play any musical instruments, and you showed me some guitars, and you're like, well, there's this, yes. and there's also some other things. I'm a drummer. I got to know if you could join one band, what band would you join? Oh man. Is this living dead or I'll let you choose that. I'll okay. let you think about Just instruments to... too. I'll, I got my answer ready. Cause I knew the question. Um, I desperately want to be the drummer for Paramore. I like, they've got oh, such nice. fun energy and I, I just love their music. Um, like they're the kind of band that I want to be a part of. Um, so yeah. I want to be the drummer for Paramore. I think I'm going to limit myself to living just to keep me from brainstorming for nine hours and tearing myself apart. So I'm going to go with one that a lot of people might not have heard of and say Kaleo. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah. They're just the guitar lick on um, No Good is yes the best sounding I've ever heard of guitar. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, they get some unique tones. I, I don't know what they have to do to get it to sound like that, but it's it's like... It feels like if Johnny Cash could have made a guitar sound like that, he would have. Uh, <laughs> oh, like, that would be something to see. 
It's it's the best sounding guitar I've ever heard in my life. Listen to No Good by Kaleo. Kaleo's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look him up on YouTube. You find all kinds of they do amazing videos on top of how great their music is where they're from Iceland and they'll go back to Iceland and shoot in the middle of this giant ice area or they'll go into an active volcano area for one of their videos. They just have some amazing cinematography on top of the great music. But yeah, just that blues rock kind of vibe. That's the yeah. kind of thing I love to listen to and play. So I almost got a chance to see them in St. Louis. I mean, I, I had the chance. Mm. I passed on it, though, because I was uh, I was in Springfield, Illinois, which is like not quite two hours away from St. Louis. Uh, and yeah. I was um, I was interning and I, I decided um, they were playing at Del Mar Hall in St. Louis, which is a place that I've been to. There's Del Mar Hall and then right across the street is another venue. And I've been I've been to that that strip, that street a couple times to see shows and. Um, and I went to go see Nothing But Thieves play there. And they're one of my favorite bands um, that's nice. like active, uh, especially at the time. They had only one album out and it, it was just it's one of my favorite albums. Uh, their their first album, self-titled. But um, okay, I got to check I saw, that out. I saw them at Del Mar Hall. And then um, the, the very next week, Kaleo was playing. And this was, um, you know, I, I had known them for no good. And this was when... Um, Gosh, what's the really, really, really popular song? The Way Down We Go? Uh, Way Down We Go, yeah. That one had not quite charted yet. Um, oh, okay, so real like, early in their time, yeah. Like just starting to peak, but I had known No Good, and I had li- and, and I had listened to their album because of it, but they, yeah. they hadn't quite become you know huge. I'm not trying to sound like a hipster, uh, but I'm just like, <laughs> I thought about going, but I was like, I really like them, and I want to go see them, but if it's between the two... Because I can, I can really only justify going to one of these right now. Oh, especially when you're interning and money's not exactly I mean, I, available. I had, yeah. I had money, but it was it was the time and energy and you know two hour oh. drive each way plus yeah, either back-to-back weeks to stay or right in back to back weeks. You know, it was kind of one of those like, oof, man, if, if yeah. only they were playing back to back nights. Uh, oh so, yeah. So you know, the money wasn't the issue. It was the mm, I can I really like should I really do this right now? And there was a couple other yeah. I had planned on going to and you know I ultimately decided uh on nothing but thieves instead because um just a little bit bigger of a fan of this but yeah and then I and then I went back like a week later and thought you know what I'm gonna buy the Kaleo tickets too and they'd sold out so oh rough shame yeah I still haven't seen them live yet I'm keeping an eye out for their next trip to Austin because I know they come there from time to time but they're also always all over Europe and stuff too so it's hard to I think they're getting ready to put out a new album right uh, they put their second album out maybe a year and a half ago, oh, but I just know it took forever because nothing but these yeah. and they were essentially like the same timeline. Yeah, Kaleo was on just one for the longest time, but yeah, I think it was about a year ago they came out with a new one, and it's probably right on par with the first one. There's some really great stuff on that. I'll have to check that one out. I really like. Oh, I'm yeah. not even gonna try to say it, but they have a song written entirely in. Yeah, Vor E. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, hauntingly beautiful. Uh, yeah, I recently looked up the translation of the lyrics for the first time, and I don't remember exactly what it was. But it even the lyrics, like once you know what they're saying, are great. But it's yeah. I've enjoyed it for years without knowing at all what they were talking about, and just the vibe and tone of that song. It's great. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, man. I like that. Um, there you go. I'll join. Yeah. I'll join Paramore, and you'll join Kaleo, and maybe we'll have uh, a tour together. You know. Yeah, we'll open <laughs> back and forth. We'll rotate who opens and who headlines. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, all, all I ask is that just just I want to play no good. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll bring you out for that. Yeah. I'll play that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm down for that. 
Nice. Uh, and he can have whatever Paramore song. I don't know. They don't play Misery <laughs> Business anymore. But I want Brick by Boring oh. Brick still. So um, okay. let's talk about movies again. I'm sure people listening that don't care about music at all are like, just get back to movies. Right. They're hitting that 30-second skip button. Getting to this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, let's, we have Thor 4 and uh, Thor Love and Thunder, and then the, the Sea Beast to talk about. These are both coming out this week. Um, at least, again, I'm pretty sure. Yep, July 8th uh, for the Sea Beast. Uh, and Netflix and theaters. Uh, and then Thor Love and Thunder, ex- theaters exclusive. Obviously, the next MCU film, the next Thor one. Um, can we get th- the Sea Beast out of the way first? Is that cool? Yeah, that's that's probably a good call. Okay. Um, the Sea Beast is a new animated film coming, or it's of course coming to netflix uh and as well will be in some theaters um the synopsis here is when a young girl stows away on the ship of a legendary sea monster hunter they launch an epic journey into uncharted waters to make history uh, and make history to boot uh notable voices actors here we got carl urban dan stevens jared oh or jared harris um that's pretty pretty solid three um emily o'brien um a couple other people that i like recognize faces or names but can't really like not super big um directed by chris chris williams written by neil benjamin and chris williams what is chris um director of big hero six writer for moana writer for bolt um sorry co-directed moana directed big hero six directed bolt i like all three of those movies quite a bit yeah um and also writer on Kronk's New Groove, Emperor's New Groove. Well, he's not credited for Kronk's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove, Mulan, Brother Bear. I like all these movies too. Shoot. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> so the Sea Beast. Let's take away the Netflix aspect of this. Let's just assume this is going to be a theaters only movie. Um, yeah. Normal distribution, all that. How soon do you, uh, again, let's take budget out of the picture. Let's take whatever schedule you have out of the picture. The only thing that matters is your free will. How soon do you think you would see the Sea Beast? Would you go... And check it out in the theaters as soon as you can. Would you wait till you can rent it at home? Would you wait till it's on a streaming service that you already pay for? Or are you not interested in seeing this movie? I think before you just listed off everything that guy had been involved in before, I would have been maybe wait for it at home. But after all that, I'm kind of like, okay, I'll go check this out at a theater. I'm interested. I'm the same way. Like, I was just like, look, look, look. And whenever we talk about these animated films, it's like, if it's not Disney, like, I kind of don't really care that much. Like, You need the track record. Yeah, it's... Otherwise, yeah, well, like, if you don't hear the good word of mouth, you just assume it's going to be like, eh. DreamWorks is spotty, you know, because for every Shrek, there's a Shrek 3. Um, <laughs> Illumination is spotty because for every, like, Despicable Me, there's a Minions. Uh, right. You know, um, the, like, I guess Sony's had a pretty good track record of late, uh, but they don't come yeah. out with a ton. Um, and Disney, look, I know Disney comes out with a lot of not great stuff, too. But, like, for the most part, they're really solid. Like, you know, Raya was... Raya is one of the my favorite of the recent Pixar films. Even um, it's not better than Soul, but like it's better than Lightyear, and it's better than um, Turning Probably Red. Onward. Uh, yeah. Ooh, man! I did like Onward more than most, though. That's tough. Yeah, uh, I'd have to see both. At least, at least visually, you would give the edge to Raya for sure. That's tough. Okay, because <laughs> Onward isn't trying, you know, to do massive visual stuff. Raya, is. that's true. Um, yeah. So take that into account. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, and Fox doesn't really have the rest, although now that's Disney. So, um, you right. know, but Netflix has a pretty solid track record. I mean, when they really try to make these animated movies, they do well. I mean, I know they bought Mitchell's versus the machines from Sony, so we can't really okay. attribute that to them, but like, I haven't seen it yet, yeah. but I know Klaus is really well enjoyed. Um, yeah, same here. I haven't watched that one yet, but I've heard good things. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I know, I know. There's more than just that example because I know Netflix has put out some pretty decent stuff, uh, especially in the animation department. Um, I can't think of anything right now. Like I know they have it. So uh, I know I've watched plenty of them, but yeah, I'm trying to think of the like Vivo was okay, not amazing, but it was solid. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I didn't see that one. I but yeah, I heard good things. Um, Yeah. Good music, interesting overall story. They snuck in some emotion here and there like a good animated movie should, so it was a good time. That was the Lin-Manuel one, right? Yeah. Okay. And there was also another one. Uh, wasn't there one nominated for Best Animated Film like a year or two ago? Like Into the Something? Um, let's shoot. See. Let's figure this out. Um, I was going to say, let's, let's discreetly get the Google going here. Yeah. Well, because it's also Over the Moon. That's the one. Over the Moon. Oh, yeah. Um, I again, I haven't seen it. I know great yeah. things. There was that, um, gosh, who's the filmmaker? Uh, Apollo 10 and a half. Uh, Bombac, I think, maybe? Hmm. Uh, no, Linklater. Richard Linklater. Um, oh, that okay. one came out earlier this year. A lot of people really liked. Um, I Lost My Body, I think, was also nominated. I think that's a short, though. Oh, yeah. Um, like, oh, the Shaun the Sheep stuff is really good. Oh, um, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, Any like, Wallace and Gromit offshoot, I'm down for, so... Netflix has a like pretty solid track record. I mean, I think Klaus is probably the biggest hit of theirs so far. But I was yeah. I was saying with you, like it, there's there wasn't enough there that made me really go like, yeah, let's go for it. But like I was like, sure, if it's on a streaming service. But like I love Big Hero Six. Yeah, it was honestly sounding like it could have been Moana wannabe, but then learning the guy was involved in Moana, it's like okay, yeah. no, he's doing and, his like, own Moana's thing. Moana's really sure. good, and Bolt is super yeah. underrated. Like Bolt's great. Um, yeah. He was also apparently Oaken in Frozen. And I don't like Frozen very much, so that doesn't mean anything to me. And he wasn't a writer or director, so no, okay. Um, but like that's that's a like that's a solid track record for this guy. I'll see I'll see whatever animated film he makes next. Why not? So yeah, so I love animated movies anyway. So as long as it's not running up, I mean, obviously it's running up against a Thor, so that's gonna complicate right. things a little. But also, yeah. it is gonna be on Netflix, so we'll find a way to sneak it in pretty early. I'm sure. Right. Well, so I was, I was pretty, you know, I was, I was going to be the same with you just on a streaming service, but then it's like, I'm going to be very, un, I'm going to say a very unenthusiastic theaters for this one. So yeah. Yeah. Not a rushing out opening night, banging down the doors, but definitely a check it out kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe a discount night, something like that. It's, you know, wait, yeah. go see Thor. I'll, I'll go see Thor first and then I'll. Oh yeah. That, so, um, which I guess is a good segue to that. Um, Thor Love and Thunder, mm-hmm. of course, the new Taika Waititi written, directed, um, uh, Thor movie for the MCU yep. starring Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, uh, Tessa Thompson coming back. Christian Bale is playing the villain Gore. Um, Taika Waititi is coming back as Korg. Um, Russell Crowe coming in here. This is a yeah. Jamie, Jamie Alexander coming back as Sif. I really like her. I'm happy she's coming back. Uh, and then we have some of the Guardians team that'll be in here. I hope for not too long. Um, Probably briefly at the beginning, I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, it was just like with the end of Avengers Endgame, it, it just felt like they that there would be a the Thor the Thor four would be Thor four and Guardians three right or whatever and and it looks I don't know I I hope this is one of those like when we were all scared Tony Stark was going to be in Spider Man Homecoming too much and he was like barely in it we're like oh that was nice like I hope we get yeah I hope we get that here like essentially yeah the fact they put they put like a goodbye between Thor and them in the trailer so I'm hoping that is a hint that it's like yeah it's early. They go their separate ways after an opening adventure for like 10 minutes or something. So Yeah, and like Thor gets skinny again and he gets back to, you know, being a, kind of the person that he is, you know, before end games or before the events of the end of Infinity War. So like, yeah. um, you know, it's it's um, 
yeah, it's. I, I hope they do just like a montage quick, and and you, we yeah. can see him hanging out with the Guardians and have some fun, and then move on to Thor. But um, yeah, this new movie coming out this week uh, in theaters only. Uh, same scale. Um, theaters. Uh, wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on streaming service you already pay for. Or are you not interested in this movie? This one's an enthusiastic opening night for sure. Definitely ready to see this one. And this yeah. is a good reminder. I need to book tickets ASAP. So. Right. Me too. I'm sitting here thinking, and I think I actually have Thursday night off um, of work. Oh, nice. um, so yeah, I, I was, uh, I'm sh- I, I don't think this has been blowing up the box office. Like some of the other stuff has been, you know, like I think um, like Spider-Man did. And uh, I think Top Gun um, did a bunch of opening night stuff as well. So right. I don't think this one's been like, you know, you didn't get tickets. You're probably not going to, but like, I need need to look at getting tickets. So, uh, because I want to go Thursday night in IMAX if I can, because, you know, I love me an IMAX theater. So, uh, especially for for a movie like this, I, whatever Taika wants to do at this point, I'm here for because, um, you know, I feel like they're throwing him in everything and he's fine in Lightyear um, and he's fine in Free Guy, but like he doesn't Mm -hmm. have the most control of that. I'm talking like, especially the stuff that he has actual control with, like Jojo Rabbit was incredible. Um, oh yeah i hope this is better than thor ragnarok because i think thor ragnarok's a bit overrated um it gets a little boring for me about two-thirds through and but but i think the comedy is on point and i think overall it's a significantly better film than the first thor, two thor movies which is why people love it so much but it's like i just i don't know i i hope that maybe just as taika's grown because this was his first like big budget film he had done hunt right. for the wilderness and what we do in the shadows before then so maybe now that he's like gotten the big budget experience with that and jojo rabbit like i'm hoping that we can get i want to feel the way about thor love and thunder the way that everybody else feels about thor ragnarok which weirdly i'm one of the few people who would agree with you in that sentiment that ragnarok is just a little overrated with the caveat that it's a fantastic movie like i love it yeah and mainly because of the comedy but i do think that but like, gets people saying it's a little better than it is. Yeah. Well, it's that, and then it's the fact that it's the third. It's the th- third movie in a trilogy, and the first movie I think is better than people remember it. For um, sure. But it, it was well. Re- it was fairly well received when it came out, and then a horrible second movie. So. Um, Which I enjoy that the Thor of the Dark World a little more than people, but that's not saying that's I love it or anything. Enough, it's like right. That's yeah. like saying you like. That's like saying you found three things in it you like. <laughs> right. Uh, like I have an okay time with it, but I'm not probably ever watching it again either so it's easy to say that from that standpoint yeah the only only reason to watch it is in the context of a marathon right but i think i see where you're going with that is that thor 2 was such a drop-off for people that what they got from ragnarok you're comparing it it to that and that just feels yeah Yeah. and then that it did so well and so like but i know a lot of people that have it like near the top of the mcu like in their top five i'm Mm -hmm. like like a 15 or 16 max like yeah you know yeah i can't get behind that i I think it was on Sith Pop not that long ago where they, you guys were doing the ranking the MCU again. Yeah. Maybe that was a couple months ago, but yeah. It was a while ago, yeah. I, I definitely disagreed with some of that, especially the Thor Ragnarok, because yeah, they were placing it ahead of some amazing movies. And, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm well, struggling with that one. You all, not everybody can be right like me, so. No. Uh, but that said, the Taika Waititi element of it all does have me really excited. What he did in that movie, the ability of him to build off that and hopefully maintain that level of humor while constructing an even bigger scale kind of movie. I think that's an exciting prospect for sure. Yeah. I think I only really have one more thing to say. And well, I guess, I guess three more things. I'm really excited to see Russell Crowe here. Um, mm-hmm. Just cause I love him. I'm really, really, really excited to see Christian Bale here. Uh, cause oh, I yeah. would, 
it feels like the stuff that he's been doing recently has been that like you know the, like the Adam McKay stuff, and that's like you know I just I want I want you to do more like you know the prestige or whatever, and may, maybe some of the like fun roles that he has. I'm really hoping that he brings a lot of fun to this role, and or Taika brings yeah. that. Right um, so I'm hoping those things, and uh, but but also like. I am so interested. I don't want to say anything just for people that don't watch trailers or whatever. I am so, so interested in what they do with Natalie Portman's character. Um, there's some reveals of what they're doing with her in the trailers. And if you know comic book culture, you know where they're right. going with it. Um, so even if you didn't see it in the trailer, a lot of people would have known anyway. But yeah, uh, it's the fact that they got her back. I mean, because she opted out of Ragnarok because she was like, I don't want to come back because these movies kind of suck. And, uh, um, you know, the fact that they got her back and like, she looks excited to be in the role again. I mean, she's not, she doesn't appear very long, but like, why wouldn't you be excited to be in this movie if you were Natalie Portman Portman, and you read what they were going to do with her character? So like, I'm so excited I'm more excited for that than I am just any of the Thor, especially in the Thor and the guardians of the galaxy stuff. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see how they handle her. But I would also echo what you said about Christian Bale. That's one of the parts I'm most excited about. It does feel like it's been a while since he's really dove into a big kind of bombastic role like this. So I well, and we haven't goes with that. We haven't seen him at all in these trailers. Like Mm-mm. he's a glimpse or maybe a voice. Like we we have seen very little of him. So that's yeah, cool. so that makes like, me feel like there's some cool stuff coming that they're trying to keep under wraps too. So. Yeah, and and, and maybe it, maybe it'll be moments of Taika Waititi having those like you know fun like oh you thought we were gonna do this so we're actually gonna do that kind of like uh, in in Ragnarok where 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 um, where he's in the the arena and all of a sudden Hulk comes bursting through their gate and everybody and their mother was just like why why couldn't you just save that for the theaters that would have been so much better right because like, you need butts and seats so um, that's true yeah um so yeah I'm out of thoughts do you have any any other final thoughts you want to say about Thor Love and Thunder no, that pretty much covers it. Yeah, Christian Bale's a big part of why I'm excited for this. And just like we said, seeing Taika Waititi get another shot at it, and you know it's going to be funny. So even if yeah. it's not the best movie, I'm just excited to go to the theater and laugh a little bit. Yeah, I like that. Um, well, real quick before we move on to the SIF topic, a chance to promote your stuff, Jason. Now that people have gotten to hear a little bit more about um, your your interests in movies and music and stuff like that, um that maybe they want to go give you a follow so where can people go to check out um your your thoughts outside of this podcast yeah yeah i'm still working on building up my letterbox i kind of got that going right when i started writing for the podcast so it's sort of like an epic undertaking of backlogging but i'm trying to keep up at least with the new stuff and add older things here and there while i can and throw in some reviews here and there so uh for letterbox i'm at jason mac 86 mac is spelled m-a-c-k and then on Twitter, if you're interested in seeing mostly a bunch of stuff about the soccer team I promote, but also a little bit of my thoughts on other random pop culture and things here and there, or the occasional poster doll or framed result from playing those games, uh, my Twitter is at MacHeatSC. There you go. Um, all right. So uh, there you go. Go follow Jason on those places. Um, I was just checking to make sure, and I do. I do follow you on um, uh, Letterboxd, so we're good. Nice. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, uh, <laughs> quick shout out for Patreon. Then I forgot where I was in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> Patreon exists. You can go check it out. Sifpop.com slash, or sorry, patreon.com slash sifpopwr. Um, three different tiers there, five, 10 and $20 a month, different stuff there. Go check it out. It'll be lots of fun. I'll have an exclusive review, uh, over at Patreon for this month, uh, for Nope, 
So if you want to know my thoughts for Jordan Peele's Nope, you got to go to Patreon, uh, $10 and up tier. Um, otherwise, sorry, you won't get them on this podcast. But um, <laughs> yeah, and I'll bring along somebody. I have an idea. I just need to ask, so I don't want to say. So um, yeah. somebody that I want to bring on for that. So yeah, there you go. That's that shout out. Um, but let's get around to it. Let's talk about Casper because I don't think I can't not do this anymore. <laughs> uh, so Casper's a 1995 film. Uh, this uh, stars uh, Bill Pullman, Christina Ricci, Eric Idle, um, Kathy Morardi. Wow, that was bad. We're just going to ignore that. Um, yeah, and uh, the uh, Devon Sawa is is in there for a hot second, and um, uh, Malachi Pearson is the voice of Casper. Oh, I totally didn't realize this. Wow. Um, uh, the 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 squints from the Sandlots in this movie. Wait, is that him? Oh, wow. yeah. Who was he in this movie? It says That's Mickey. Good. And this would have been two. This would have been two years after the Sandlot. He's not. Yes. He's not the kid that is like that asks her to the dance, is he? I don't think so. Maybe he's just one of the kids that comes into the house right at the start of the movie or something. I don't know, man. Let's. I don't Google, know. Google image search is not helping. Yeah. Yeah, like. He might, I'm looking at YouTube stills right now. There's no way he's the bully kid. Whatever. Let's yeah. dive into a little bit of the history of this film. Uh, when did you see it? When was the last time you've seen it? How many times have you seen it? What do you remember about this movie? I gave you some suggestions of a list to pick from, and you're like, Casper sounds good. So, like, what's your history with this movie? And I know there was a couple sequels, so if you have history with those as well. Like, what's, um, what's, what's your, your thoughts? I haven't been brave enough to check out any sequels, but yeah, I, as a real little kid, I definitely remember growing up with the Casper cartoons, which I don't remember a lot about them, but I know that was another VHS. I probably burned out a little bit, just little ghosts flying around and I don't remember much, but I know I love this one when it came out in 95, I would have been about nine at the time. So right in the target age for that. And this mm-hmm. is one that used to be sort of in my rotation of whenever Halloween came up, I'd sort of pull out all the DVDs that had anything remotely related to horror haunted anything and kind of put them in a pile to pick from and try to watch throughout October. So for a few years, this was one I would kind of pop in, but it has been one that I haven't gotten back to in probably 10, 15 years, long time since the last viewing. So I was definitely a little nervous coming into it of if it was one that would hold up or if it was more of just a pure nostalgia kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, my history with the movie, I've definitely seen this one. Uh, probably a couple of times. Uh, I don't. Re- I don't remember anything about it uh, before watching this movie. And then um, the I was looking up some of these. So there's four films. There's Casper. There's Casper, like a new beginning, which is the next one. And then there's Casper meets Wendy, which has Hilary Duff in it. And then there's another one that's like Casper Haunted Halloween or whatever. And I'm pretty sure I've seen all four of them. Um, I think the one that I remember the most is. Um, I think the one that I remember the most is Casper meets Wendy, which has Hillary Duff in it. Um, huh. but like I was born in 95, so that would have been a little bit more in my time. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't I just, I think I remember more from that one, but again, I re- haven't seen any of these in probably 20 years. Um, haven't thought about them for most of those 20 years, but, um, you know, I was excited to check them out because it's like, you know what, this is why this exists to either bury right. it, bury Dig up buried treasure from your childhood or to criticize your childhood and say kids make bad <laughs> judgments. So um, that was our history of the movie. Now we get into the actual discussion. Discussion, Jason, Casper, 1995. 
Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I'm going to go low side of love it on this one. I had really? a really good time. Yeah. I don't know. That, I mean, like, surprises me. Like it, There's elements that I would criticize of it for sure, but I think more than anything, just the atmosphere and the vibe of it are something that just really draw me in. And part of that may be the nostalgia, but part of that is being a kid that grew up loving Haunted Mansion more than anything else at Disney and just that vibe of a gothic castle kind of feel to the house. And Well, let me tell you something. I don't think it's the nostalgia because I really liked this movie. Nice. Um, now, look, take it for what it is. It's a, it's a kid's movie. Like, it's there are some things in logic that, like, don't quite make any sense. And there are definitely some things that don't work or th- because this is targeted for kids. But I had a really good time watching this movie, and I was not expecting that. So, yeah. uh, especially, let me read you the synopsis on IMDb. Uh, by the way, I did figure out um, Chauncey Lapoldi plays Nikki, who is one of the preteen boys who explore the whip- whipstaff. Uh, mansion in the opening scene so he's one of the two okay. kids that goes there. yeah with the flashlights and the picture of the polaroid taken yeah up so that's why we don't remember him okay, um, cool. but that seems weird two years after the sandlot and you don't cast him in a main role whatever <laughs> whatever make your bad choices then um so so i read the synopsis as i was getting this going and on imdb and it says an afterlife therapist and his daughter meet a friendly young ghost when they move into a crumbling mansion in order to no that's not that's not what i read why is this different no. than what i read um I, I read something different. Um, maybe maybe it's the Google TV synopsis. I bet you that's what it was. Okay. Because uh, I, I rented it on Google TV. Because, by the way, you can't stream this anywhere. Um, which, like, you could pay to stream it. But this isn't Disney+, Plus, HBO Max, uh, which NBC has the rights. So, like, I don't know why this isn't okay. on Peacock. But, Throw it on Peacock. Yeah, let's go. Right. Yeah, it's not on Peacock. Yeah. Though, so, Luckily, um, I randomly owned it without remembering I owned it. So I was good to go. Nice. Okay, so here's the review that I pulled from Google. Um, Casper is a kind young ghost who peacefully haunts a mansion in Maine. When specialist Jim Harvey arrives to communicate with Casper and his fellow spirits, he brings alongside his teenage daughter, Cat. Casper quickly falls in love with Cat, but their budding relationship is complicated not only by his transparent state, but also troublemaking uh, apparition uncles and their mischievous antics. This is the thing. I was so not looking forward to this because um, it says Casper quickly falls in love with Cat, and I was just like, "This is gonna suck, and it's gonna <laughs> be weird, and it's gonna be dated, and I'm not gonna like this at all." And it wasn't because it's really not touched on very much. Like it's hinted at, but like yeah. it's never it never manifests until Casper manifests into a boy, and it's like, yeah, it's not like they're forming a relationship actually during the movie it's just he's a little bit of like a lovesick puppy and they're she's forming just sort of a there platonic yeah. relationship they're forming a yeah. friendship not not a oh if only you were a real boy like no they're forming right. a, a healthy good relationship and then they happen to get a little bit of payoff which is i don't know maybe interesting i hate that scene um we'll get there though um (laughs) there is also one moment of weird slash borders on either sweet or creepy and maybe it's both simultaneously where he whispers to her as she's falling asleep can i keep you it's a little awkward but the piano score behind that is so sweet that it's like it makes you believe the moment that's a good way to start because one of the things i was most surprised is how good this score is uh oh it's fantastic yeah and I was just like blown away with how good this score was for this 1995 kids movie. But like, it's so good. 
Like, I want to, like, l- just listen to the score by itself. It's easily the best part about this movie. Yeah, there's some moments that I feel like without that score, the emotion wouldn't really work as well. But with that, it just hits you, and you feel what they're trying to get across because of that. So it's great. I was also surprised the credits start rolling at the end. This is executive produced by Steven Spielberg. I'm like, oh, this is why it's good. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, no, the uh, the um, the score is easily the best part of this movie. Um yeah. Uh, but there's also some good, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I want to, I want to mention one of my biggest negatives for this movie. And that is that the visuals are impressive, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't like the design of Casper though. Um, like I, I think the like visually it looks really good, especially for 1995. Um, yeah, that transparent kind of effect they get across is cool. But I just don't like the character design. And, like, I know it's based off of, like, a run of comics in, I think, newspapers, um, mm-hmm. like, from back in the day. But um, I, don't, he, I just, I think the visuals look great. I just don't like whoever is controlling the way he looks because he looks porcelain. And he's not supposed to look porcelain. He looks like if you dropped him, he would shatter. And <laughs> it doesn't look, like, it didn't look good. It bothered me the whole movie. So um, Yeah, I think they handcuffed themselves a little with the pre-existing design, for sure. Well, and but it's fine to use the pre-existing design, but it was different enough from the from the pre-existing design, and you can make it in a way like maybe it was the shade of white they used, maybe they didn't make him transparent enough. Like they could have certainly made him a little bit more transparent. There was again something about his face, like didn't he he didn't emote very much at all in his face, right? So he was again pretty much looking porcelain the whole time, um, almost like almost like a doll that maybe the mouth moved a little bit every now and then and just yeah. was creepy. So. Um, I didn't like it at all. Um, so that's the that's that's my biggest issue with the movie. Um, but let's talk Which about least... some things that are great about the movie. Um, how did you feel about the Ghostbusters cameo? I completely forgot about that one. And now my Me head is spinning too. of like, is this existing within the Ghostbusters universe? Is this just I'd a spin-off thing? Yeah. Well, like, and technically... like, if anything, Ghostbusters Afterlife makes this more canon because, like, they talk about, like, the group splitting up for a bit. So it makes sense that only Dan Aykroyd True. would go to this house. Like, not... This was before he opened his little shop thing. He was just there on his own, yeah. Yeah, he was trying and to guess... continue the Ghostbusters brand on his own. And I guess a Ghostbuster divided cannot stand. Those three uncles are way more than enough that he can handle. But, so I really liked the cameo. I thought it was great, especially because, like, it was one of the actors. It wasn't like they hired somebody to show up in a Ghostbuster suit. But it was Dan Aykroyd. The only thing was, I just wish he would have come out and only said, call somebody else. Because we would have got the implied who you're going to call, not run right. out there call, call somebody else. Like I didn't like that line. But yeah, it's trying a little too hard. Yeah, Unclever. Brought a smile to my face cameo. Yeah, I wouldn't even mind expanding it to see what happened with him in there with them. But I think at the same time, the joke works better if it's just him running out of the house. You get that surprise. Yeah. It does. Um, in that montage, we get a priest walking out of the house. Let me ask you a question. How is he not dead? Because they Yeah, that threw me off. He, is, <laughs> he has a 180 degree spun head, yeah. And, and how are the people not reacting stronger to that? I know they've just learned about the existence of ghosts in this manner, and they're starting to believe more things can happen, but he walks out with a backwards head, and they're just like, oh, he failed. Oh, well. Next guy. Um... Speaking of the visuals, though, I really like the visuals for um, when the I, I don't remember her name. I don't think I'd care, but the the like villain lady of the movie, like when right. she turned, I really liked her visuals. So why didn't I like Casper's? I thought she looked great. 
Maybe it's because they tried to make Casper look too cute and friendly and that affected the design. I don't know. Cause her, they just let her go full crazy manic and the uncles are meant to be a little intimidating and fun. And Casper, they're trying to make sweet and just doesn't sort of work quite right. I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess. Uh, what are, I've talked a lot. What are some other things you liked? Uh, yeah, I think definitely the dynamic is fun of the uncles sort of, it's hard to get a vibe for what their goal is as these ghosts. They're kind of terrorizing everyone, but they also aren't taking it too far of wanting to do anything super nefarious. They're just kind of having a good time and chaotic. And I think that sort of is fun that there's no real mission of what they're trying to do as the ghosts of this house. They're just out there to have a good time. And if they cause some damage along the way, they don't care, but they're also mm-hmm. there to kind of, they have some fun with the doctor. Yeah. Um, and, and and I think, too, the dad character is is great. I think Bill Pullman is awesome in this movie, except for the scene where he dances with his daughter at the end. He's very clearly not a dancer, and then he has to dance with his daughter, <laughs> the CGI ghost. It's clear he has no idea what to do, and Christina Ricci is just marching on because she's a kid. She was one of the best child actors there ever were. Um, oh, fantastic, yeah. And yeah, but, I don't love the music at the end of the uncle singing the old Casper theme song, jazzed up. Yeah, no, that, I, feel, that feels very forced, too, yeah. I like the idea of the old Casper theme jazzed up. I just didn't like that cover. Yeah, that rendition. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the, but Bill Pullman was great. And I really liked the idea of like, he's a psychotherapist, like, and his whole belief is that ghosts have a, uh, unfinished business. Un, un, yeah. Un piece of unfinished business. And then they can go on to the next part of the afterlife. And like, I, I think it's almost a mistake that the movie never tries to explore. What is Casper's unfinished business? Like, why is he yes. stuck? Yes. I, I get I get that the point is like they don't want to do that because they don't like they don't want to just kill off their person. Um, right. You know, it's like if he if he doesn't exist anymore, then like, what's the thing? But like, what on earth could his unfinished business be? Is it the fact that he never got to grow up? Is it the fact that, um, you know, he he led his his dad into getting um, you know thrown into a psych ward? Is it is it the fact that this great piece of machinery that his dad made to, to like bring him back like is undiscovered, but like all that is done by the end of the movie. Like, yeah. What is his unfinished business? And maybe the sequels explore that, but like, I doubt it. Uh, Based on there being four of them, it seems unlikely. Uh, or yeah. Three, with with said, entirely yeah. three sequels with entirely new casts. Like, yeah. You know, so, so you lose that element of the psychotherapy um, stuff. So I, but it was also just kind of refreshing because I mean, at least the thing that I think is pre- predominated this like ghost culture, uh, for the last 20 years has been the TV show Supernatural, um, which a lot of their thoughts are, you know, there are ghosts that have unfinished business. And at least in the first seasons when they're actually just like ghosts and spirit hunters. I don't know if you ever saw that show, but I watched I have, it. I've heard good things though. Yeah. It, it starts really good and then it tries a little too hard. And then, yeah, I didn't Any see show that, that goes for that long is going to go through those yeah. cycles. Yeah. The first five seasons are awesome. Um, especially cause like the first season or two is just like really small stories that are kind of contained and there's an overarching narrative and it doesn't really do too much with that. But, um, but they're, they do like these, um, they're like, you know, they're, the remains aren't, um, you have to do something with the remains, but there's like unfinished business is, is one of the type of things. And it's just like normally unfinished business, you know, you've got to solve this mystery and then arrest this person or, you know, kill right. this person or whatever unfinished but just in general like i like that he's just like trying to freud him out like it was kind of refreshing and i don't know if it was in 1995 i don't know if this was just a stereotype or whatever but like i was just like huh why have we not seen this anymore 
Like, right. this is a really yeah. cool idea. There was the one HBO show, I think it was Dead Like Me, that sort of explored that, and that probably came after Casper, so maybe they saw the movie maybe. and played off in that. I don't know the show. Uh, it was an interesting show where people kind of serve as people that have to guide people to get them to kind of move on to the next part of life. This girl at the start dies and gets roped into kind of serving as one of the people. It's very hard to describe, but basically each episode is her kind of taking on a new person that she has to help accept that they died and move them on and that kind of thing. And it does Mm. deal from time to time with that whole unfinished business idea and figuring out how to get them to move on. There's also the, the, thing that reminds me the closest is there's a really good movie uh, from 1993 called heart and souls um it stars robert downey jr um alfrey woodard uh kira sedgwick elizabeth shu tom sizemore really great cast really great movie this has been 93 though so it's been before but heart and yeah. souls is about like um robert downey jr is this kid and there's this bus accident that happens when he um and he is born at the same time that they die. And so they essentially become his like, almost like guardian angels. Um, okay. And and each, and then, and then he, he learns to ignore them. And then the whole plot of the movie is he's an adult now and he's going crazy because he's like hearing and seeing them again. And they are unable to pass on because they have unfinished business. And so he needs to go do things. So one of them is like, I needed to tell my son this. And so he needs to go, build a relationship with the sun and like, t- and so like, that's very much the same idea. This movie came out two years before Casper, but like that's, that's similar, um, yeah. but different enough. So anyway, that movie's awesome. If you want to, if you, yeah, have that's it. going on my list for sure. That sounds awesome. Um, I mean, it's a little bit lost in 1993, but it's really good. Um, I think it's on stars right now. Okay. So, um, but anyway, I have a blue, I have a Blu-ray of it. It's great. Okay. Um, but yeah, that unfinished business thing is really great to this movie. Like it adds some legitimate heart and depth to it, especially with the whole angle of the motivation for the doctor is that he lost his wife and it's sort of a almost selfish motivation of wanting to find her and wanting to believe she has unfinished business so he can see her again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I thought the wife stuff was a little tacked on. I mean, I, I when, yeah. When it gets back to it at the end, it feels a little like, why if, would she actually be involved at all? And, it feels like there was probably, like, at some point in the idea, like, man. All right, here's here's my biggest problem with this movie. A movie like this really shouldn't be made for kids. Like, there's a way yeah. to do this movie where it's made for kids and adults. And I feel like the original script wanted to do that. And then the studio was like, that's too risky. And so they just made a kid's movie. And so they wind up just taking pages out of the screenplay and tearing it out. And then what we're left with is this. Which yeah. is really enjoyable but like there's so much deeper they could have gone with the dad character and like i feel like that was initially planned and there seems to be um like some other things they could have gone uh deeper with such like e- like like casper's death uh again maybe even his like stuff like his unfinished business was explored but like when he describes his death scene and he's like starting to regain all his memories like there's got to be a lot like that could have gone along with that um, oh, yeah. We don't really know how Christina Ricci is affected by her mom dying. Um, she's kind of just over it. And it's like, that's an interesting way to go about that. Yeah. Um, so like, I just, I feel like there's so much stuff. And, and so I think the mom storyline is great in theory. Just in actuality, it kind of felt tacked on. Yeah. They didn't do enough to earn it or support it for sure. Yes. Especially when she shows up at the end, I'm just like, Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> um, and, and then what even is she? She's an clearly angel, dead. they say, I guess. 
he asks if she's an angel, she doesn't answer. But it's like, but she has the power to give Casper a real body. And she yeah, does yeah. it like for a little bit. Also, why not just give him the power to have the real body? Like, like, <laughs> like she has the power to do it. Why not just do it permanently? Like, and she won't even give him till midnight. She gives him like 10 minutes. Like, go get dressed, have a dance, and you're done. I know. And it was just like, what's the point of having him appear as a real boy if you can't just let him be a real boy? Like, <laughs> for yeah. more than a scene. Um, yeah, I I don't know. So, uh, and the, so the other thing that really makes me think this is when the movie becomes about the Lazarus, right? I was fully expecting the movie to go off the rails, be like, oh, this movie's going to suck and suck immediately. And it didn't. It was actually no. my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> so, like, it's genuinely great. So, like, it makes me believe and think that they could have handled some of that other stuff better. And that this was a little bit more not meant for kids. And then it just got edited down to be something like this. I really yeah. liked all the Lazarus stuff. Classic studio interference problem every time. Yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, especially since we live in the age of the internet now. And every movie before the internet definitely had that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, even just getting to the Lazarus stuff. I'm such a sucker for a Rube Goldberg device or a hidden passageway in a castle kind of thing. So then yeah, going really through a bookshelf and going through that crazy contraption and all of that just sucks me right in. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And although I did have the thought, like, shouldn't he be entirely fixated on building this Lazarus machine? But he had to... <laughs> right. But he needs to get cleaned up on the way down. Yeah. Well, and that's... She, they, uh, he mentions my dad's biggest problem was not being motivated to get out of bed. And so he built this machine. And that's cool. But, like, he probably had to spend, like, two years of his life building <laughs> right. that. That's two years he could have been working on the Lazarus. Like, <laughs> Although it seemed like a very poorly made machine, so maybe he did rush job it a little, because that thing's going to slice you up and not really get the job done like it's intended to. So it what do you think of the think, reveal of the treasure? I thought that was okay, yeah. The whole it seemed like it should have worked. Bait and switch, yeah. So we knew it was going to be a bait and switch, and it felt like it should have worked, but like we had no context for anything, because like I thought, I thought it's going to be Casper. Casper's the treasure because he's the friendly ghost. Yeah. Right. Um, Casper's going to be the treasure. And then there's a legitimate treasure. And it's like, okay, there's there's clearly going to be something that's sentimental value, not actual value. And then it comes to a baseball glove. I'm like, we've never heard about a baseball glove. Like, what? No, <laughs> it, was like, it wasn't like... My, yeah, because his death was... my favorite player. And it's like, okay. Yeah, his death involved sledding, not that he was out practicing baseball all day or anything, so... Right, yeah, zero his, setup his for that. Letting, yeah. We we never once hear him reference baseball earlier, or or the, his favorite player. Like it, I like it, but it, we had no context for it. Like, yeah, even if there was just a setup joke early in the movie where he like hits something like a baseball to do yeah. something else and makes like, oh, it's, I'm like this guy. Just some reference to it. It's entirely random, and so it kind of just fell flat for me. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I don't know, man. <laughs> um, and then the whole Bill Pullman dying thing too, which leads me to a question. So Bill Pullman dies, and then mm -hmm. he goes back to the, comes back to the house, and then they turn his ghost into his body. What happened to the other body? <laughs> That's true. Is there just a, a Bill Pullman corpse in in the sewers of Maine? Uh, that's a good question, because yeah, this Lazarus machine didn't require bringing the bones or the body into the pit. It was just, no, it's just it created a new body. Yeah. I like to think oh. this is the Bill Pullman corpse in the sewers of Maine. There and is. a walking, wow. talking, living Bill, Bill Pullman as well. <laughs> so the cops are going to have to uncover that at some point and start trying to solve 
the mystery of the death of some guy who's still alive. I, w- and... I want the sequel of that. I want detectives yeah. coming in and be like, there's a corpse here, <laughs> and then you're here. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And then him having to explain it, and then them being like, nah, I ain't buying it. Right. You're probably a serial killer. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm covering some gold right on accident here. Uh, I really like the plunger fight scene, like where he's fighting with the plunger and one of the and the three ghosts have like swords. Like, yeah, that's why they hired Bill Pullman. Is that scene? Oh yeah, the like, accidental vacuuming, Pullman. all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, the accidental vacuuming and the um, the like witty banter he has along the way. Like, it's, yeah, the way he uses the plunger, like it's he's. I feel like Bill Pullman was having a blast making this movie, and he yeah, wanted I wish to he had done more stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's it, a perfect cast for that movie. Too, but it doesn't it doesn't quite like lend itself to be fully both. So I feel like I feel like he gives both performances, and then somewhere in the editing room there's, you know, a diff- more more emotional stuff with him. Yeah, they probably did cut some of what he did, but I think they cast him well because you could have gone with a more popular comedic actor or a more dramatic actor, and I don't think either one of those would have worked quite as well. He was able to sort of blend it, which helped tie the movie together, even though the studio tried to keep it much more on the kid's side. For sure. And this is all speculating, by the way, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I feel like I've been talking for a while. I have two more notes, um, really, that are the things that I want to touch on. But we'll get there. Because um, I want to hear what you have to say more. Uh, yeah. I'll say, I think, like you said, Christina Ricci is just such a phenomenal actress. It's always the linchpin of a kid's movie like this that's so focused on a child actor that if you don't nail that part, you're just not going to have a good movie. And she really makes it work well. Mm-hmm. She's got that... Good snotty attitude, very witty remarks back at people. Maybe that's sure. the mark of a good child actor for me. It's just anytime a child actor is making smart aleck remarks back at the adults, it seems to land well for me. Like I was on board for Princess Leia in Obi Wan recently, and any of that kind of thing. So any little kid that's throwing some sass back seems to work for me in a movie like this. Sure. Um, okay. And so the whole school bullies subplot is entirely unnecessary. Yes. Like, this is why we're, we're doing the fantasy cast, and I didn't even have these characters listed because it's so unnecessary. We don't Yeah, the, the only part that you can see any use for is the fact that she develops an interest in one of the boys, but that doesn't have to be a bully situation either. That's just for the purpose of making Casper self-conscious and jealous that she's interested in someone else. Yes. That's even that's this- not necessary, but it at least serves some small purpose, but that's it. Yeah, and it's and it's entirely unnecessary. You don't. You could have it. You could have that. What the the way that it happened go any number of different ways. But yeah, I mean, you know, even they were having thinking, the like even the kids know. coming over for the party and anything involving school. Like you didn't even have to have any of that. She didn't even have to show up at school. Just that self contained in the house infuriated me because like they're having a party for the class, not at the school, <laughs> and like. The school didn't come and set up drinks and snacks earlier and all that. Like they just come notoriously, notoriously run down house that was described as condemned. Moments ago. Yeah, they allow kids to have a party at this house that is literally described as condemned, and the entire city fears this town or this house because (laughs) they think it's haunted. Because it is. They don't even confirm with her father. They just take her on her word like, oh, yeah, come over. It's cool. Yeah. He doesn't know. Well, he knows later. um, But we don't see it. Yeah. Uh, He knows they're coming, but we don't see it. But, like, there's all of that. Like, and then not only that, but then when when the the mom 
uh, and gives Casper his real body. So he's like, you only have until 10. And then all of a sudden he turns into a ghost and all the kids are still there. They're supposed to be 12. <laughs> what what party for 12-year-olds that's run by a school ends at 10? 10. Yeah. You're talking 8 o'clock max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are some very irresponsible parents in Maine, apparently. Apparently. Uh, so anyway, I, like, I know I'm nitpicking a 1995 kids movie, yeah. but it bothered me. <laughs> that's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. The very last thing is... Um, Okay, so Devin Sawa is not the voice of Casper. So why did they cast him and not dub him? And why did they cast him and or and not have him be the voice of the ghost? Like they should have done one of the two. They should have either dubbed yeah. him or have have whoever is the voice also be the actor. Why is he not the actor? I don't. I don't I'm sure that kid could have pulled off the voice just fine. Yeah, I don't get well, it. And he speaks. Why do you yeah. have him speak? It's very clearly two different, not even remotely close voices. Yeah, you easily could have dubbed because you could have just had him. Le- they're dancing. He could have leaned in and been whispering in the ear, show it from an angle where you don't even see his lips, and then it's an easy dub. But I mean, it, I w- it would have been tacky, but I'd have preferred that. Yeah. But also, he yeah. looks nothing like the voice. Before the Bill Pullman and the other lady, you could have maybe explained it away as, oh, you sound different as a ghost than when you're actually in your body. But that's not you even the case because they showed you it. You certainly yeah. try to do that, yep. Um, and then um, he's also he's also not 12. He looks like he's like 14, 16. Um, yeah. And especially, okay, we find out Casper's backstory the re- or when he died. Well, first of all, we find out that he has a very loving and rich family. And they took, and they were the, they were actually good, attentive, rich parents, um, yeah. because he he has a great childhood, and he really wants this sled. And one day, his dad just gets him a sled, like you know, best parents in the world. We're supposed to believe that a, I could believe that a twelve year old could do this, right? Because the the way that the backstory is told is he's like, and I had so much fun, and I went out, and it was really cold, and dad told me to come in, but I was having too much fun. And then yada, 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 I got sick. And eventually it's implied he gets pneumonia and dies. Yeah. First of all, if the parents are this loving and this caring, they're not just going to let him, you know, stay out hours after they told him to come in. No. You know, that's not going to happen. But I think 12 year old, like I get that kids are dumb. I think 12 is too old for this to be the story, right? A 12 year old should know better. Right, I think ten fits better. Yeah, ten would have worked. Ten would have yeah. fit better. Twelve is just a little bit too old for that, especially when Devin Sawa appears and he looks like he's sixteen. He, yeah, you cannot and picture like, him as the, the little boy kid, on the sled. This kid would not lose track of time and get pneumonia and die because he forgot because he was having too much fun on a sled. That does not fit. <laughs> that kid wouldn't fit on that sled. Right. So it was like. Just so distracting to me. And again, nitpicking in 1995. It doesn't affect my yeah. experience with the movie. It's just something no. that I was like, huh. No, I still really liked it. There's, a, you know, it just felt like this, this, there's a really excellent movie in here somewhere. And this is good. Um, and I like, don't want to watch the sequels because the sequels are significant drop in like, because the rest of them are straight yeah. to video. This one's theater. Like, I don't really want to watch the sequels, but like, I definitely wouldn't hate it because I had such a good time with this one. This is a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's significantly better than that. Oh, yeah. That's way too low of a rating. This should have been certified fresh for sure. Like, it's a good yeah. time. You're, for like, what I'm you're going in for, expecting a kid's movie, it's so much better than that. 
I'm going to give this a three and a half on Letterboxd. I had a good time with this movie. And I think, I mean, at at least I think if you're listening, you should too. This was enjoyable. Oh yeah, especially in about three months of Halloween coming up. It's such a good movie for that time of the year. The atmosphere and everything's just so perfect for that. Well, and I'm not like mad that I had to rent it. Like I um, would have obviously preferred had it been on, you know, HBO or yeah. Peacock or whatever, but I paid three ninety nine. Like, fine. And you still cool. enjoy, yeah. If you enjoy it while paying three ninety nine, that says something, right? So, oh, yeah, I yeah. haven't touched on it yet much, other than referencing it. But the set design to get that atmosphere was really solid too. Like the way they built the house on the inside, the feel of that. I really like the look of everything they did. Yeah, it's um, it. I mean, it looked a little generic, but yeah, it was yeah, it's but good. In, in today, when everything like that would just be a CGI haunted house or something, it felt good to see a real, actually yeah. built set. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't have any other notes, but I'm happy to entertain any other thoughts you have. No, that should be pretty much it. Definitely well worth a watch, though. I had a great time. I was nervous going into it, thinking it was going to be a pure nostalgia thing, and that I was overlooking a lot of just bad humor and giant plot holes. And it's not that there isn't any of that. There are a couple of jokes that don't land, and we made clear some of the things in the plot that could have been done differently, but overall, none of that hampers the experience at all. It's a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, yeah, kind of similarly, I would say, um, uh, yeah, kind of similarly, I would say I was expecting a movie that aged poorly due to the romantic tension between a, go- a young boy ghost and a young girl, human alive. Um, yeah. So I was expecting that and I was expecting bad 90s humor, bad 90s kids humor. And I was expecting um, mediocrity or less all across the board. And I yeah. was surprised. I really liked it. Um, so, yeah, um, obviously not perfect, but really good. Um, yeah. And I think there's a great movie in here somewhere. And I think our fantasy casts are going to reveal that. Yes. Um, are you ready to move on to that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, okay, so we have um, a hypothetical 2022 recasting of this film. Uh, we are casting directors for this new movie. Uh, there's a script. It's based off of this one. So we're going with the same story structure, at least kind of. Um, you know, has, you can choose to add and remove certain elements. For example, we didn't fantasy cast uh, the bullies. They weren't in it enough for me to think they were significant. And I think, honestly, this movie's nah. better with in them um at least the direction i want my movie to go so um what we're going to do is fantasy cast a hypothetical remake of this so we will go roll by roll um we'll each give our cast for this role uh and then at the end we'll, we'll list them all so um we're gonna start in the order that i have it listed um jason you can start okay. who is your cast for the new casper okay are we starting with director writer or are we getting nope. into the cast Casper. Who okay, is oh, the friendly ghost? Oh, boy. The friendly ghost, I'm going with Jacob Tremblay. Yeah, okay. Been in a few things. Uh, had a pretty intense role in Dr. Sleep that was brief. He was very funny in The Good Boys. Obviously, mm-hmm. he was the kid in Room and stuff like that. So he's definitely shown a lot of those chops on the dramatic and comedic sides, which I think this movie does a good job of blending both of those. So I like the way he fits for that. And He's probably getting a little older than I'd like for this role, but I don't know that many 10 or 12 year old actors. So I thought he so was. So I'm not going to fault enough. you at all. Like not yeah. going to fault you at all. Um, and I'm going to just be mad at the answer I'm going to give, but the answer I gave was, I don't care. Um, okay. Nice. Like, 
because here's the thing i want a 10 or 12 year old to do it um, yeah. i want i want you to either just pick a 10 or 12 year old kind of like they did with like uh i mean this isn't why they picked him but like with jake lloyd with the original like phantom menace or whatever like he's an actual kid he wanted to be in like you know he fit the role all that right just this is voice acting, like, and it's Casper. He's not going to have the most to do. Um, so, I to me, it doesn't matter. Just cast a twelve-year-old, cast a ten-year-old, or or cast if you really have more complex stuff, cast an, an adult professional voice actor that can capture a ten or twelve-year-old. I don't sure, care. Then you can, if he comes out at the end, like in this movie, you can dub him, like you said, yeah, yeah. But like, it, this is this is kind of a problem because like, there's there's so few. Like kid actors that we know, because like yeah, we got the Stranger Things kid, but they're too old for these roles now, anyway. And it's oh like, yeah, obviously it would just be one of the Stranger Things kids, or yeah, or the it or or whatever. Like I don't care. Like I really don't. <laughs> yeah, uh, it doesn't matter to me. Jacob Tremblay's great. Um, so you know, um, okay. So that we have that, and then uh, who is your cast for Cat? I'm saying my thing is going with a bit of a theme in my cast, which people might pick up on as I go. But my cat is a young actress named Kylie Curran. She was the girl who played Abra in Doctor Sleep. Oh, okay. So I, I think like her. Yeah. She had a good charm to her in that movie and had sort of a good intensity about her. So I just feel like she would. She feels like a young Christina Ricci to me almost. She has that similar vibe. I get that. That's a really good pick. I like that. Um. All right. I promise after this pick. I've got things I'm proud of and I got things that aren't cop outs. Okay. Um, I put an unknown, an unknown person um, for this one because I like that. Yeah. Because like what, what we're seeing in Hollywood now is I think there's a lot of really good unknown actors, actors and actresses. And like, I don't want it. Like you could pick McKenna Grace for this, but I don't want to. And you could pick, um, you know, a, a Millie Bobby Brown for this. And I don't want to cast an actual 12 year old girl. And I'm happy. Like cast cast somebody that's age appropriate that's gonna do good. Fine. This role's not complex. This role's um you you could get somebody to do this role, especially the director matters more than the actor does. So yeah. like for a case like this, you have a good director that's good with working with kids, and you've got it. So why not no no? I mean the black phone came out two weeks ago, and almost all the kids in there are unknown, and they're great. Scott because yeah. Scott Derrickson was so good with them. So like I don't care that much. I promise that's the last one that I like. I'm gonna just be a say cop out or not. I I do like those answers because that would be probably my preferred choice. Is just do your due diligence and find a good unknown child actor. I mean, doesn't like I said, the like spirit of this too much. You know, the fantasy no. cast. Is, but, but like, I don't want to pick McKenna Grace or Millie Bobby Brown or I, nah. I guess I'm thinking there's a little girl in the black phone that's really good. Um, but. Which we might be seeing that this afternoon. We haven't decided which movie out of three we're going to watch yet, but I'm hoping it's that one. I'm very excited to see I really it. Like so. Black phone. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, so those are my answers. I promise I've got actual people written for the rest of them. So, cool. um, yeah. All right. So then who is your, your dad? I went with a very bit of an outside choice here to pair with Kylie and went with Lakeith Stanfield. Okay. It's a very odd, very different one, but... I enjoyed him a lot in Knives Out and feel like there's some untapped comedy potential there with him. If he's, well, he's got a really, really funny scene in Sorry to Bother You where, oh, okay. he's, where he's hurling. I've only seen this scene. I haven't seen the movie in full yet. But he's got this scene where he's hurling. In, like, you can tell he wants to be insulting to this other person. 
but yeah. they're saying niceties to each other. So they're saying niceties in really like rude ways. Where it's like, okay. well, I hope you have a great day. I hope you have a better <laughs> day. Like you could tell they're mean to each other, but they're in public and they're like, I don't know the context, but I think the scene itself right. is brilliant. And so okay, I think that, you're right. There's a lot of untapped comedy potential for him. Nice. That helps support my pick then. I, I got to check that out now. I want to watch that movie. Mm-hmm. I picked uh, Domo Gleason. Um, okay. I was thinking of the, kind of the wacky zany version of Bill Pullman. And I was like, well, Domo Gleason is kind of this like nervous for the most part, typically like nervous, not confident, fla- flaily kind of guy and would yeah. fit about the age range that he would have a 10, 12 year old daughter. So um. Yeah, Donald Gleason's my pick, and of course he can do comedy. But I'm thinking, yeah. like, I, I want, I want physical comedy from him out of this, and emotion. Yeah. And we, and we do both. Yeah, he would nail the plunger fight type of scene, like you. Oh yeah. For reference before that kind of part would be perfect for him. And, and the scene of him singing karaoke at a happy hour for sure. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then, who is playing? Um, I wrote Lady in here. I don't know her name. The, I think it was the, the, Kerrigan, but only because Kerrigan I wrote that down. Somewhere. Yep. Who Who is playing Kerrigan? I say I'm getting back to my theme that people will still maybe pick up on as I go. But Kate Siegel is my pick for Kerrigan. Oh, I like this a lot. Yeah. What theme are you going with? Uh, it's a bit of a spoiler for my theme, but getting okay. to my it would it would spoil like, my writer director, but. People oh, like probably picked not, up on it if they know. I think she's not in Doctor Sleep. No. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. There you go. I'm yeah. Picking up. Well, as soon as yeah. you said, I'm like, well, she's not in a lot of his projects, but. Yeah, yeah. no, more the TV stuff than the actual. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Cool. But yeah, I think she yep. can play that maniacal thing really well. She did well, do it in. Uh, anarchy, you know, she's can be the most maniacal person. There you go. Ever. And yeah, she does some pretty good stuff in Haunting a Blind Manor in the one episode that she really comes out in. Yep. Um, oh, no. Sorry, I'm thinking of Katie Siegel. Oh, yeah. You said Sons of Anarchy, and I was like, I didn't know she was in that. Yeah, Katie oh, Siegel would have actually been a really good pick, too. Either of those would be great. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking Katie Siegel of Married with yeah, Their names are too similar. Someone needs to change something there. All right, all right. That's why I was like, yeah. she's she Futurama fame, yeah. yeah, yeah, Futurama as well. Um, yeah. yeah, all right. Um, we're going Meryl Street. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> like, I want to, I want to channel full monster in law energy. Yeah. Uh, like, or or whatever the one that she did with Anne Hathaway, where she's the boss. I think this the Devil Wears Prada. That's the one thing. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, we're I'm channeling sure. full, full, full Meryl Streep here. Yep. Her as the ghost at the end, that sound that seems fantastic to me. I want to see that for sure. Yeah. Yep. yep. We're going for it. Meryl Streep. <laughs> nice. Uh, I can't wait until you hear who I have writing and directing this because it's going to just change the game. Um, because this <laughs> is – so really to me, the things that I really want to change and, and even emphasize more is the villains. Like I want, I want to pull more of that emotional stuff about the – um about the about the dad and mom relationship too and i mm-hmm. um but i'm almost more interested in casper himself taking a back seat for this story which okay. might lead the way so i'm i'm interested in making this movie more about the henchmen and this really this movie is really only a setup for casper and um and cat to really start to ha- develop some f- form of relationship based off of the events that happened in the first one so really i'm thinking casper is more like hidden and invisible until he needs to kind of step up. Yeah. You know, 
lead into the motion to, to things to start happening. So like I'm changing the structure of this film and ultimately I'm using it more of a setup for let's say a trilogy. Uh, I like that. And, and eventually, you know, the second one can focus on more of the, like um, the existing, what I forget what this is, the, the things that they still want to do that they unfinished do. business. Unfinished business. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. So anyway, I had to I have to get that out there before we get to the next one. So the henchman okay, guy, yeah. I don't know, I don't remember his name, but Eric Idle played him in the movie. I have it written as uh, Dibs. Dibs. Doesn't seem Probably. like an appropriate name for a lawyer guy, but we'll just that's what they said. By so the way, Dibs. I loved the scene of Kerrigan and Dibs trying to kill each other. I thought that sequence was hilarious. <laughs> um, oh yeah, loved it. Uh, especially because like she's trying to like say so she's like well you're gonna like you're gonna go through the wall and he, he like realizes <laughs> as she's swinging an axe at his head loved it thought it was great yeah um but yes your uh your dips um sticking with my theme i went with i hope i'm saying his name right raul coley he was uh, I, don't know. I say he was on a couple of the shows recently uh he was on iZombie back in the day which i only saw scattered episodes of and he was on haunting of blind manor and Midnight Mass and some stuff like that. So very unknown, but again, another person who I've seen do really good dramatic monologues, but also good lighthearted comedy kind of thing. So he brings that balance. Sure. And okay, very funny Twitter follow. So here's, here's where I really want to take this in a different direction because again, I really want this movie to focus almost mostly on this character. Like this is the character I want to spend the most time with. I think, I mean, maybe not actual screen time, but in the movie, Eric Idle in, in the 1995 movie, Eric Idle is this bumbling buffoon the entire movie. And then he finally gets his, his chance to take advantage of Kerrigan. And he does. And none of that is paid off because then he just winds up being a buffoon again. And that's kind of the same thing. Like Bill Pullman's role in this movie is either to be a buffoon or a serious dad, depending on the scene. There's really no overlap. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a negative, but like, um, but again, I want to make this a little bit more balanced, but I want, so I thought who is somebody that could play the bumbling buffoon really well, but who is somebody that also, when he finally gets the upper hand can really run with it. And I, so I want to focus more on that. I want this henchman to actually wind up being the big bad villain at the end. Um, and I want him to actually be more frightening, um, than Kerrigan. And you can have all the stuff happen with Kerrigan that happens, but I want ultimately, um, Dibs to be more sinister, because yeah. again, I want I want to make a movie. I want to make a movie kind of along the tone of Who Frames Roger Rabbit, where kids can enjoy it for what it is, but really, it's really more meant for adults. Yeah, um, like adults will appreciate it more than kids will. So I, I also want to get that out of the way. This is a movie that I think kids can enjoy, but for different reasons than adults will. Just like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So I'm getting a lot of buildup because I just think that this needs it. And after, so so I need somebody that can play that sniveling, bumbling buffoon, but also somebody that can just turn on a dime and be the most powerful person in the room. Um, and after this season of Barry, like I want Bill Hader Ooh. to do everything. So oh yes, Bill please. Hader plays Bill Hader plays both of these roles in Barry, and he does them so well. I want to just see him play Barry in this. Oh man, that's such a good pick. That's perfect. Yeah. Especially with I, what you're setting up. But even if it was just in the movie, like, I don't care. Just give me Bill Hader no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm going for like, uh, he, he, he's, he's beaten down by Kerrigan the entire movie. He finally gets the upper hand and he learns that he has power and he runs with it to the point that he doesn't even know his own strength. This kind of the way that I want to take this movie. Yeah. And he winds up becoming a big, big bad. 
maybe even he's just a big bad of the second movie. Like he kind of like gets away for the first movie and winds up coming back in a bigger way. The second movie, that's not necessary for me. Like yeah. I'm still thinking, I'm thinking Kerrigan just winds up almost like, um, Oh, like the defenders did this, um, like the TV show, the defenders, like movies do this all the time, but like where you build up this big bad and then they're taken away pretty quickly. And it's like, but this henchman was actually like more powerful the whole time. Or like, yeah. um, the first season of Luke Cage did that too, where it was Cottonmouth and all of a sudden it was, it was Mariah. Which unfortunately uh, that was to its detriment, but we're going to make it work yeah. the other way this time around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, we're going to make it to where like, we've built up Meryl Streep this whole time and then it's actually Bill Hader you needed to have worried about. Yeah. Um, and he does, and then he's uncaged, unhinged, doesn't even know his own string. So, um, yeah. So I feel like for context, I just need to describe the kind of movie you go. My guess is yeah. you're going for a more adult one, since you're you're clearly going with Mike Flanagan for your guy. But like, oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I guess is you're making an adult Casper the Friendly Ghost. I'm I'm yeah. trying to make a, um, a a Who Framed Roger Rabbit tone. So I like that, especially since that, that was my B my BEC recently. So nice. Um, Okay, sorry I'm giving ahead of you and spilling all your things. Um, no, you're good. Who, do you, who voice, voices for the three ghosts? I just wrote the three ghosts, but they're the three that kind of hang out with Bill Pullman mostly in this movie. Right. I went with people that all have either voice acting background or just really interesting voices, but are all... I, I went for some bigger names that I want to get in there. So I went with Mark Hamill, Matt Berry, and John Benjamin. Yeah! I think Mark Hamill, everyone forgets how amazing of a voice yeah. actor he is. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the, obviously, he's the Joker from the Batman the Animated yeah. Series. But, like, he's done a lot of other respectable stuff, too. Man, I, he would be a lot of fun in that role. And yeah. uh, Matt Berry from uh, What We Do in the Shadows, like... Yeah, I'll just take him in anything. Because just he can just take any sentence and make it the funniest thing you've ever heard just with his inflection. So I, I love want that. That's so more good. of him. I, and yeah. I think... I think the three of them would have a lot of fun if you put them together in the same room. Yeah, I think it would be great if you had them in studio huh. doing the voices together, yeah. Huh, interesting. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, John Benjamin um, just felt like he fits the fatso thing perfectly, just that deep voice. Yeah. Although I had half a mind to just say Brad Garrett, of just bring him back, who cares? <laughs> um, let me tell you what I thought okay. about doing first. I thought about casting the three ghosts as Bill Hader, Bill Hader, and Bill Hader because he can do nice. so many different voices. <laughs> I thought about it, but I'm like, no, he's already playing the henchman. He was in my honorable mention of like people I was considering for the voices. I had him considered for sure as one of the ghosts. I thought, who better to riff off you than yourself, especially when you have the creative genius that he has. You know, he would yeah. know what's coming and he would play off himself well. And obviously he would record them differently. And he's a man of many, many impressions of voices. So he could do it if he wanted to. Yeah. I've already got him as the henchman, and I want to keep him there. So why not cast the Lonely Island as the voice actor? Because oh, nice. <laughs> um, I think I that would that. be that would be great. Because again, the three of them have good chemistry. Um, they don't really have to disguise their voice. Although Andy Samberg can also do impressions really well. Yeah. Um, but he can also just do his regular Andy Samberg voice, and it would be fine. So oh, he'd be, that'd be uh, perfect for those roles. Yeah. And again, for the tone that they are in this movie, and I would keep them essentially the same for this first movie. Um, you know, they're three people that like to hang around and are entirely self-indulgent and doesn't care about who, whatever gets in their way. Like they, you know, yeah. I, I want them to grow in the sequel, but like, I just want a group of fun loving guys that you want to hang out with. 
Um, no, that's, but that also that's might, perfect. But also are definitely a bad influence. So yeah, no, I was trying to come up in my head with a group of three people that have that pre-existing relationship in some sort of comedy, and I was blanking on it. But Lonely Island is perfect for that. Lonely Island, or even if you want to sub out one of them for Justin Timberlake, cool because he works. With oh yeah, a lot, honorary so. Lonely Island member, sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe he comes in as a cameo or something. Yeah. Um, Cool. Okay, so then um, I assume your writer and director are the same. Yes. Yeah, okay. I want Mike Flanagan across the board for that. Yeah. I think especially, I mean, he's done it in all three of his Netflix shows so far, but just the way he's able to just delve into backstory and character motivations and really just do that character development. I think you could even subtitle this one and be called just Casper Unfinished Business. And I would want to shift the focus a lot more to that of exploring that more and maybe tweaking the plot to where you do either with Casper or with the uncles kind of delve into their backstories of how they got to be where they are, figure out their unfinished business, hmm. doing a little bit more of that kind of thing. I think he's such a perfect director for that because he's done it time and time again, where he's able to do horror where it's not about the horror and about the scares. He brings that and he brings that creepy atmosphere, but the focus is on the characters and their development. So I like the way he pulls that off. Yeah. And I could think, I mean, Haunting a Bly Manor is it's like not a scary show by any stretch of the means. No. So like you could just take, and I haven't seen Midnight Mass yet. It's on my queue. Um, but like I could, I could just see, you know, Haunting a Hill House is, is definitely a little bit more into the horror, but you're right. It's about the characters, but you could take the exact same tone from Bly Manor and apply it to a Casper movie that he makes. It, oh, I, yeah. It's not going to be made for kids, but. No. And yeah, I wouldn't even hate if you took this and said we're going to stretch it into Casper the series instead of Casper the movie. I would be fine if he was allowed to do that too. That's not the assignment, but I would take that. And and honestly, there's enough nostalgia for this character. You could probably say, go ahead and make your rated R version too, because like nostalgia will play on that. Um, That'll work. Um, Okay. Well, yeah, let's get to this one. I'm excited to hear what's coming here. It's gotta be the people doing Barry. So Alec Berg and Bill Hader are going to be writing this and Bill Hader is going to direct it. Uh, Perfect. So again, I have Bill Hader in multiple roles here, but after 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 seeing him direct series of episodes throughout Barry, um, and he hasn't done anything in film yet, and he hasn't done, directed anything outside of Barry, but the, the episodes that he directs are technically the best and like the best of the series in terms of just what's going on. Uh, yeah. He directed the Ronnie Lilly episode from season two. Um, he directed a couple episodes in season one. He directed. Um, there's an episode in season three that has this awesome motorcycle chase sequence. And I'm not going to like, this isn't so going to be a movie that has like massive action set pieces or anything like that. Like, like Barry did, but like he is so good at capturing tension. I tweeted out. I really want him to direct an episode of Westworld since that's back on now. Like that, oh, that would yeah. be a good, like really interesting thing to happen. But, um, but like, I, I want, I want to see him take this leap. And I think some of the best comedians of 10 years ago, are making some of the best horror stuff now. Like yeah. you look at Jordan Peele and you look at like, there are s- episodes of Barry season three that are straight up horror that Bill Hader is doing. And I think if he wanted to, he could tape that leap because he is a comedic genius and overall a film genius. And I, I want to see him do something. So I'm going to say you get him and Alec Berg in the writer's room and they could make this movie who framed Roger Rabbit 2.0. And then you take Bill Hader's direction. I mean, Alec Burke could direct it too. He's he's done episodes of Barry too. But I'm, yeah. um, but I'm just thinking like I wanted to go a little bit more like megalomaniac than than something that I feel like Alec Burke would deliver. I think I think Bill Hader would lean a little bit more into crazy, weird, 
legitimately scary henchman. And given the fact that he'd be playing him, it would really lean heavily into that. So yeah. I would have him do that. Um, and then I do yeah, want to make find, it. So I want some bit parts, some cameos for Steven Root and for Henry Winkler for sure. If this is the way it's going. <laughs> yeah, Henry Winkler could play the the class teacher. Um, oh, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just feel like. Uh, Again, for for the vision that I have, I don't want to make the same movie. I want to make the same premise, but I want to make a different movie. And I think it, this is... I'm so interested in this. <laughs> the first thing I thought of was uh, Bill Hader directing this movie. Yeah. Oh, and I was these like, well, are so much right? fun, but this bums me out too. Because once you get to the end of doing this exercise, you go, oh, this isn't happening? Come on. I know. And I've honestly, these are my favorite B-plots to do. I like doing them a lot. Um, yeah. Especially because like it really stretches, and you're like, I like this person. I want them to get more roles and and all that. So, uh, you know, it's cool. But but also like I allowed room in this one to be like cast an unknown. That'll be right. cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So kick yours off again from the top. Run through your film its entirety uh, of of the cast and and uh, and crew that we have yeah. listed here today, just so people can get a singularly minded. Because I'm looking back, I'm like, I totally forgot. <laughs> just uh, saying my earlier picks but like i think they would right. work really well together so so give your overall vision of the fantasy cast okay yeah my casper unfinished business written and directed by mike flanagan to get that deep backstory tone of the characters is starring jacob tremblay as casper kylie curran as cat who most people would know as abra and dr sleep lakeith stanfield playing the doctor and dad kate siegel not katie siegel playing kerrigan who was the evil woman Raul Coley as Dibs, and then as the three Uncle Ghosts, Mark Hamill, Matt Berry, and John Benjamin. Nice. Uh, well, my Bill Hader and Alec Berg written, Bill Hader directed. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, spiritual sequel, Casper. Um, we'll have somebody as Casper. <laughs> we'll have an unknown actress who is actually the right age, be Cat. Um, we'll have Domo Gleason as her father. We'll have Meryl Streep as Kerrigan. We'll have a Bill Hader as our ultimate big bad. Um, we'll have the Lonely Island playing the three ghosts. And uh, we'll be the best thing to come out that year. <laughs> I would totally watch that. Yeah. That's a first night in the cinema for me, for sure. I know. <laughs> I'm sitting there too. Like, can we make both of our things? <laughs> right. You can, make, gotta... you can make a Netflix series. That's, that's a multiverse. <laughs> we got to start hitting Twitter and trying to make this happen. Will it into existence? Thanks. Um, okay. Well, that just leaves the, 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 the spinoff and then we can wrap up. So, uh, Jason, what is that one thing in any era of pop culture that you really want to tell people to check out or to stay away from? I'm going to keep trying to roll with the theme here and suggest the thing that is in your queue that you mentioned midnight mass. Cool. I think that's a fun one to suggest to people because one of the best things about it is it's a self-contained mini series. There's no possibility they're going to spin this thing off and try to stretch it into a season two. And it's, just seven episodes, so that's you can binge it in a day or two if you want. But uh, Mike Flanagan just continues such an amazing track record. I didn't think he was going to be able to beat what he did in Hill House, but I think Midnight Mass is my favorite thing I've seen of his. It just Man, that's high Yeah, it it just tackles so many different angles of things. There's even like it's very religious centered and centered around a Catholic church, but it doesn't matter if you're a religious person. It has things connecting to the Catholics, to atheists. Raul Coley, the guy I casted, even plays a Muslim sheriff in this tiny island community. And it's one of those things where the supernatural stuff that comes into play is fantastic, but it's such a backdrop to what's really going on. And 
there's some cautionary tales of people misinterpreting what they're taking from religion and abusing that power. And uh, there's just so many great things. And the, one of the things that people criticize the most about it is also one of its greatest strengths that it overindulges in the monologues a bit, but mm. they're so good. There's so many really powerful ones. Like you could just Google the sheriff's monologue from Raul Coley that he does talking about how he got into law enforcement because of the profiling that happened after 9-11 and all the kinds of things that he goes into. It's like a four minute speech, just one shot on him the whole way. And it's so powerful. So yeah, I, I was blown away by that show. I've rewatched it a couple times. Henry Linklater, what is that guy's name? Uh, he was in The Big Short, which I just watched recently and did a BC on, but he was such a out of nowhere kind of guy for me because I know he had been on The New Adventures of Christine was about the only thing I knew him from. And he just turned in such a powerful performance. Uh, Hamish Linklater, that's the name. He played the priest, young priest in the movie that shows up mysteriously to this town after the old priest is kind of said to be off getting medical treatment. But yeah, I think this show did itself a slight disservice, but in a good way to me by not marketing everything going on behind the show. They sort of kept some of the plot twists and stuff under wraps. And I feel like had they cut a trailer showing a lot of what was coming in the show, it would have got more eyeballs on it, but it would have lessened the experience a little bit. So it's one of those ones I have to kind of dance around talking about, but just say to like, trust me, you'll love it. Go watch it kind of thing. Yeah. I'll watch this in like September, I think. Um, just because it'll be a little bit more like seasonal. Um, yeah, 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 it'll be a good more, time for like, it. My my hopes are um, the last one of the last times every every Friday the thirteenth on like Voodoo, um, the Friday the thirteenth saga goes on sale for thirteen dollars total. Oh wow, um, which is an insane deal. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so I bought that. I think maybe like January, um, and I bought a Scream Factory collection that has every Halloween movie. And I've only ever seen the original and then the the new ones. Oh yeah. Uh, so I think I think my goal for this like spooky season is I want to go through the Halloweens and the um, Friday the Thirteenth movies. And I'm not really interested in doing the Nightmare on Elm Street ones, but I have the mm-hmm. original and Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and that's okay. I want to go. I want to do those two because I've heard the rest of them aren't very good, but those yeah. two are for sure worth watching. So I think. I think like that's my goal is to watch those and Midnight Mass. That's perfect, um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Um, but uh, my spinoff um, after watching Casper, one of the things that uh, my wife was saying because she watched it with me. One of the things <laughs> she said yesterday is morning before I went to work, we were watching it, and the scene comes where where Casper shows up as a real boy, and she's like, I just remember seeing all these memes about a bunch of bunch of girls saying that Casper was their first crush. I was like, oh, that's really interesting because I had completely forgotten he was in this movie. I'm like, he was also in something else as a, as a child actor. Uh, I'm like, I know he's in the first Final Destination movie, I, but he's in um, something else as a kid. And as I'm trying to figure it out, she's like, is that the one where, and I explain it to her what the Final Destination movie is, which mm-hmm. is he plays the main character. He has a premonition that this plane is going to explode. And so he and a couple people get off and then the plane does explode. And then one by one, they start to die. And essentially they cheated death. Now death is like, no, no, you don't get to cheat me. I'm going to come and kill you in bizarre kind of supernatural ways. Not like an aneurysm or whatever, but I'm going to loosen yeah. this bolt, which is going to make this fall, which is going to make that car swerve, which is going to make <laughs> something explode, which is going to make a spike impale you in the eye or something like that. Like that's not an example, but like, that's the kind of right kind of thing. So 
it's a really intriguing mystery and all that. So anyway, the the, the movie I was thinking was was Little Giants, which came out two years before. Ah, okay. Casper. He's a little. He he plays um, the love interest of yeah. uh, of the daughter in Little Giants, and Little Giants is a great movie. Uh, oh, that would be a nostalgia one for me. I don't think I've seen that since I was a kid, but I did love it. Back it's on in the, the list for sure. Yeah, maybe okay. next time. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna meet. So after after doing that, um, I showed my wife Final Destination. So um, nice. I've seen all the movies several times this is a franchise i really like they're on hbo max if you're interested in something they're kind of horror but they're not really um they're like thriller mystery you know when the horror stuff is going to happen and some of them are more body horror than others but for the most part i think they're decent at it and there's intriguing premise and they and they do a good job of building on the lore with each movie except for the fourth one just skip the fourth one the the final destination just watch one two three and five and you'll have a really good time um, so yeah, that's, that's my official spinoff is Final Destination. That's on my semi-shameless. So hearing that's on HBO Max is good. I can keep that in mind for filling out something soon. Yeah, it's not, again, it's not a full list of shame or anything, but yeah. like they're for sure worth watching. Again, especially one, two, three, and five. Perfect. The numbered ones. Skip the Final S- Destination. If you're a completionist, check it out. But they do some really weird things that you're going to watch the movie and you're like, oh yeah, that really is bad. And I don't want to tell you what they do. Um, Maybe four can just be a in the background while I'm working kind of thing, just to get the completionist angle say I saw it. So it's, it's two biggest problems is that it came out when 3d was becoming a thing again and Uh, they released it in 3d and it's entirely as a gimmick to get 3d stuff. And then the other thing is um, they do something different with the way that they see deaths happening and it just doesn't work. Oh uh, yeah. So, so yeah, one, two, three, if you're really a completionist four in the background and for sure five. Um, so I'm down for yeah. that. Um, so anyway, we watched the first one. I'm looking forward to showing her the rest of them, but um, cool. that's a wrap quick remind or sorry, reminder that you can follow Jason uh, on letterboxd and Twitter. I'll have his Twitter linked in the uh, episode description below. So if you want to find somewhere, um, or not type it in, whatever, copy, paste in Twitter. Uh, and um, you can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. A uh, quick reminder, the Sip Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. And if you want to check out other, or if you want to, are, are interested in writing for SipPop.com or you want to get in contact with the show, if you want to send us a question to explore in the B-plot, if you want to suggest a film for us to cover during the nostalgia episodes, you can also do that, like, just for... Example, um, if you're like, hey, I really want to hear you guys talk about that, then cool. It, like, if you're sitting there like, oh, now I want to hear Aaron talk about Little Giants, <laughs> cool. Reply, send me a DM on Twitter. Reply to me on Twitter. It's, get in contact with me somehow. Um, if you're a patron, send me a Patreon message. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, join Patreon, send DM me there. Um, and uh, Or you can email writersroom at sifpop.com. And then also, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please drop a review. Uh, would really like to do that. Uh, next week, Joe and I will be talking comic book movies. And guess what? We referenced it earlier. Um, we're going to talk about Big Hero 6. Um, so uh, they watch Big Hero 6 or at least be prepared to listen to people talk about Big Hero 6 for next <laughs> week's episode. And next month for the nostalgia picks, I'll be talking with Matt and Chantal. I don't have movies yet because uh, I haven't asked them yet. Um, but you will know sometime soon. So. Well, that's uh, motivation week. for people to send in those requests quick. Yeah. 
There you go. Next week, Big Hero 6. Next month, Matt and Chowtall joining for uh, a nostalgia episode. Okay, all done with the word vomit. Jason, awesome to hang out with you. Really happy you came on the show. I uh, had a good time talking Casper and Bill Hader and lots of other things with you. I'm same here. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we'll do it again sometime. You know, this is the first yeah. week of a, of a new cycle of schedule, so it'll be at least six months, but yeah, you know, yeah. we'll get you on. So, cool. Yeah, yeah. this is my first uh, full podcast or any kind of thing I've done before, so... It was a good time. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Awesome. Well, like I said, we'll do it sometime. And um, yeah, uh, really enjoy your articles. Make sure to go check out his stuff on the website. And we'll see you back here next week.